2: Real people, real interviews I just have to say that I object strenuously to your use of the word hilarious Hard-hitting questions What do you think about feminism? Do you like it? Taking you to the cutting edge of truth Yeah, well Last Jedi is one of the worst movies ever made and it was very clear that Ryan Johnson doesn't like Star Wars Kyle pulls no punches I want to ask how, how you're able to sleep at night Ethan brings bone-shattering common sense from the top rope. If I may, how double dare you? This is the Babylon B Interview Show. Wow,
0: Ethan,
1: do you see the afterglow on my face? From what? That sounds weird. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know what afterglow is? Yeah, but I usually associate it with inappropriate
0: things. That's not what... No, afterglow is when... When Moses comes down from the mountain and his oh. face is too bright, so he has to okay. wear the veil. Okay, over his face. There was a Calvary Chapel my friend went to that had afterglow services. They okay. call them. The best. It was <laughs> you know you know <laughs> what I'm talking about? They would do like uh, I think man was Matt Carver right told me about it. My cousin mm-hmm. actually said friend. Okay, but they would do like the late like they would do their actual worship service, then they would go to like 10 p.m. the afterglow. Mm. and I think it's weird like it was expected that you would speak in tongues and stuff like that oh you're supposed to go crazy no go crazy but not necessarily tongues hmm like burn things tongues is a
1: subset of crazy (laughs) just rip your skin off
0: sentimental sentimental and emotional anyway afterglow we just talked to Doug Wilson
1: yeah we just talked to Doug Wilson and we wanted to introduce it that
0: might be blasphemy sorry that was just a joke what I said it might be blasphemy to say like that we talked to
1: Doug Wilson then
0: I have afterglow
1: oh (laughs) (laughs) from talking to Doug Wilson that's what I was trying to say but oh (laughs) really yeah because it was interesting we had we were going to have this interview and it was the one of the more controversial guests that I brought up I was like hey we should talk to Doug Wilson he's got a book out he's got a beard he smokes cigars (laughs) sometimes he lives in Idaho and has kind of like a compound it's crazy but it seems like something we like that people would not like mostly most people but then also we'd like it and uh you're like, well, it's <laughs> was <laughs> like well, the most like you're like doing this with your collar. <laughs> well. <laughs> well, just to be clear, okay, I <laughs> as the uh editor
0: in chief, I see mm. myself as kind of I don't know if I'm the captain, the face of the Babylon. No, no, yes, I don't know if I'm the captain. You saw the New York Times article, but I might be like Another the jacket, <laughs> I might be like the admiral, you know, like looking at all the ships and being like, yeah. you guys are going the wrong way. Right. No, like a shepherd, maybe. Mm. Like Ethan strays off.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 Am I the one sheep? I have to go pull him out. and yep. <laughs> <laughs> Stray off into some horribly violent bear joke. So unfortunately, I have to be worried about um,
0: like perception and I'm like, I have to think about how things will look when they're up on the site. Something, and okay, well, i we interviewed Doug and Wills. And there's, people have this weird assumption that if you interview somebody, you're endorsing. Mm-hmm. And we've always wanted our podcast to be kind of like, we talk to people that, and they're like, oh, that's interesting.
1: It's, but I, it's also probably like, if we interview somebody who clearly doesn't agree with us, like an atheist or something, then yeah, it, people kind of get it. The word, but right. if they're kind of closer in views, then you start to go, oh, they're on that guy's team, huh? Yeah, that's probably very true. But I enjoyed the interview I see, did you what was your thoughts after you interviewed Doug Wilson before and after?
0: Well, I was just mostly disappointed in the technical
1: issues that we, we had, had a really bad <laughs> we, we should warn people a lot of the time he was talking, we couldn't actually hear him, so if we're making weird faces, yeah, it was a really bad Skype connection, but he recorded it on his end so you won't be able to tell there's bad. Hopefully. Connection issues, hopefully, <laughs> and I just love
0: now that we've done more in person interviews. I just love the in person oh, so much better. Yeah, when we had Diana Glyer on with the Tolkien, when mm-hmm. we had uh, uh Seamus on with Freedom Tunes. It's just
1: you're
0: here, and you're we talking. need
1: more subscribers so that we can afford to fly these people yeah, out here. Yeah, if
0: we could, if Doug Wilson came, was visiting here for whatever oh, reason. Oh, yeah, yeah, it'd be great. We'd have him here, it'd be amazing. Yeah, he's actually very um, like I think when he's preaching, he goes up to the pulpit, you know, he's like puts on this persona um and then i think when he's engaging secular culture he's like he sees himself as the standard bearer that has to go and fight and because there's so many squishy pastors and stuff he sees himself as this guy who has to be more
1: yeah like they fear controversy there. and he not that he i don't think he embraces it for the sake of it some might argue he does but he is definitely a, he almost feels like he needs to be the one taking some bold steps because no one else will yeah at least that's i think that's how he sees himself
0: yeah, and I think I, I'm kind of split on it. Like, on the one hand, I'm like, danger in that. On the one hand, I think you can go too far, and mm-hmm. it's probably not Doug Wilson, as it is so much as some of the people who follow Doug Wilson that end up like, oh, he's he's doing the cultural engagement
1: thing, boom, and they go out there mm. and belly flop into the into the <laughs> culture wars or whatever. Not we get those right. You see the comments, and it's like we got their belly floppers. Yeah. They're like, yeah, the belly yeah, they like they act like they're agreeing with you, and you're like, yeah, man, racism. No, 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 that's not that's, what his jokes about at all, right?
0: <laughs> you're always going to attract like the extremes and so i think mm-hmm. that i think that you see that sometimes with doug wilson but that's true of anybody mm-hmm. so but maybe just because he's that kind of magnetist what's Ma- the word magnetic person he's <laughs> usually the one who does it magnetic personality you. <laughs> incestuous personality <laughs> <laughs> that was a throwback that, that was a, a reference that's to a different true. episode yeah.
1: Uh, is, I, I liked I, him. I am just going to go on record saying I liked him. I'd like I, to talk to him but more. That's
0: what I'm saying is it was interesting that, that you kind of see him as like this fiery guy. It's going to be...
1: I, and he was just a very calm, normal answer. So. You're more plugged into that culture of pastors and stuff. So for me, no, I, was I always kind of saw him from a distance. I watched his show on Amazon a little bit. I enjoyed it, um, which we didn't plug. But uh, yeah, so here's our interview with Doug Wilson, whether you like it or not. All right. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Babylon B Interview Show. I'm Kyle. I'm Ethan.
0: And we're talking to a kind, gentle man, the least controversial person in Christendom, Doug Wilson. How you doing, Doug?
3: <laughs> Why? Well, hi. How am I going to live up to that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, hey, we should have Doug Wilson on. Kyle's like, uh hmm. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hold on. And we interview atheists, we interview anarchists, but then it's weird, right? I don't know. All I know is that... Uh, you know, I've just seen you on stuff. Well, you got a beard. That's all I know.
3: Bridge too far. <laughs>
0: that's
3: a bridge too far.
0: We're all we're squishy.
1: We're squishy, soft
0: evangelicals. So uh let's talk let's talk Moscow Psalm Sing. So you go out there and Relevant Magazine assures me that you guys went out there kind of as a stunt. Is mm-hmm. that publicity stunt? Is that accurate? No,
3: that's not. We've we've done uh Psalm Sings Every year we do Christmas carol sing in Friendship Square. We periodically in the summer, we do psalm sings um, uh, outdoors uh, in the same place. So we've done them for years, and it's just an open invitation being public about uh, our commitment to Christ. And uh, we had this masking order that was extended for no reason, basically extended for no reason. And we've had no deaths in our county. we've yeah. had no deaths, minimal hospitalizations, and just this random extension. So we responded uh to that with a psalm sing at city hall, so it was it was intended to be public, and if you don't like it, it's a stunt if you If you like it, it's a protest. so:
1: yeah, I, yeah. I agree.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the video kind of went viral. I think Gabriel Wrench, maybe a couple oh, others, yeah, got arrested. Got and arrested, right? President Trump tweeted it out.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. One We cool. had three people. Three people were arrested, and two people were issued citations. And the video of um, Gabe being arrested and the Bonnets, a married couple, being arrested, uh, that went viral. the The protest was on a Wednesday. By Wednesday night. Uh, and Thursday, it went viral. Uh, it wound up with the president retweeting it, which is the... Uh, I'll tell you frankly, that's the first time that's ever happened to any of our psalm sings. Uh, arrests <laughs> or citations or retweets from the president. Yeah, it, <laughs> viral is right.
1: Do you, is it normal to do it in front of City Hall or is that unique?
3: No, it was, a, it was about a block or two away from where we normally do it. No, We normally... Um, this Friendship Square is the central square in Moscow, and the uh, city hall is a, is about a, a, a two blocks away. So we just moved over slightly, and so we were responding to the the mandatory masking orders that the city council had placed on the whole city unnecessarily. Right. So so we did it at city hall.
1: Right. So yeah, it was purposeful. Yeah, we're going right in front of city hall. Yeah, it was
3: purposeful, intentional, um, and we we wanted it to be seen. But w- yeah. we were doing it out in public because we wanted them to see us. Do, we had about three hundred people there, and if we said now we want this to go national, to go viral, uh, if someone had said to me, "Hey, would you make this go national? Would you get the the get get gay branch on Laura Ingram and all that?" I'd say, you know, I don't think we have that kind of cloud. I don't think we can pull that off. And then the mayor of Moscow said, Here, hold my beer, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I've been to Moscow, Idaho, and to be able to make national news from there is pretty impressive. It's
3: pretty impressive. So but the stunt the stunt part of it or the um the the uh circus atmosphere of it, that was not done by us. That was done by hmm. the Police department being forced into doing something they didn't want to do by our by by our city officials. So the circus atmosphere was not our doing. We were just doing what we normally do when we have a psalm sing. the The circus was provided by uh, others. Yeah. So you didn't charge right up to the gates and be like, arrest me. Right. We were just uh, what we were doing is singing, and we were we, we were singing not six feet apart. And without masks on. But what we were doing was singing. The federal building, the federal building is another block in, the other, in another direction. And if we had gone over there and thrown Molotov cocktails at it, uh, I think that a lot of people would be prepared to defend us.
1: All right. That's not a stunt. That's a protest. Mm-hmm. Most it's when people. you start singing psalms that it's a stunt. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so you guys are constantly making
0: waves there in Moscow. Um, there's the college, the Canon Press,
1: the publisher, the church. Yeah, thanks for publishing my book, by the way. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. We thanks never, for writing. never met. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I want to come up there. It seems like you guys have quite a... I mean, I don't want to use the word cult, but it seems like a, like an awesome version of a cult. Like a bunch of guys with beards. <laughs> Beards and Occult, like, my Bibles. Yeah, we're a cult mature and, all... and drink, smoking cigars. What's it like? Give me the paint the picture for me of the Doug complex up there.
3: Well, um, I, I smoke the occasional yeah. cigar. Um, uh, okay. I'm not. I'm not uh, deep into cigardom, but uh, it's a a lot of people. It's a truly f- functional Christian community here um, that. Uh, the Lord's blessed us with a lot of people doing a lot of things. And the the thing that we're accused of is uh, me running everything or me owning everything, uh, which, I, which I don't. Um, if I owned everything, then I'd be driving a better truck.
1: <laughs> well, plus you've written like 90 books. How do you have time to do all that? You get, you're just probably in a closet writing all the time.
3: Yeah, with my hair on fire. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is the uh, Fight, Laugh, Feast Network?
3: um that is something that grew out of um something uh, uh my colleague Toby Sumter and uh and Gabe Ranch and and uh, and David Shannon have done that with their cross politic show and that has mm-hmm. grown uh, it, uh it's grown up they just had their first uh, national conference in uh Tennessee uh, Franklin Tennessee a few weeks ago uh it was great and they've got a—they're building a network of uh, like-minded individuals, um, but that's something that started here as well.
1: I think it sounds like the male answer to like the Lifetime Network or something. <laughs> girls have the "girl wash your face" thing. Yeah, girls wash your face. They can go wash their faces. We'll fight, laugh, and feast. Yeah, yeah.
3: Boy, grow hair like
0: on your face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like it's like the Viking
0: devotional, or I don't know. I'm
1: just reacting.
0: So a lot of churches in this time are kind of like not meeting, hunkering down, not really engaging. There's this aversion to uh, pastors being political, you know, Mm -hmm. on any level, you know, whether it's talking about the candidate they like or like just, just talking, encouraging Christians to be culturally active. But your church kind of does the opposite of that. You're politically and culturally active. What do you think it is that causes so many of these churches to kind of shy away from engagement?
3: Well, I I think one of the reasons they shy away from it is because it gets you in trouble. Um, Mm -hmm. People uh, call you all kinds of names. They circulate falsehoods about you. They, uh, you know, they come. Basically, when you start engaging, uh, at some point the enemy starts to shoot back, Uh, and a lot of people just don't want that. They they would like a a religion their church to be a religion club that meets on Sundays. With attendance high enough to be able to pay the bills and pay the staff, keep the lights on, but they're not thinking in terms of the Great Commission at all. They're not thinking in terms of discipling the nations or teaching them to obey all that Christ commanded. And so, uh, engagement is risky, and I think a lot of people would prefer to stay would prefer to stay out of it uh, for that reason. Uh, another uh, there are others who are cautious or or wary about political engagement because they've not distinguished political engagement, which I think is inescapable on the part of the church and partisan engagement which the church should avoid so i don't think there i don't think there should ever be a sermon of a vote for Murphy variety or have candidates coming in and Taking Sunday morning time to why why you should vote for me that's that would be partisan, and I don't think the church has any business being in any political party's back pocket. But I do think that what we do as Christians is inescapably political. Um, it is it has ramifications for the definition of marriage and uh, the right to life issue, and uh, you know uh, you you can't you can you could have the separation of church and state if you're talking about state government and church government, but nobody wants the separation of righteousness and state.
1: So can you, you support praying to a candidate, like asking Trump into your heart?
3: (laughs) Absolutely not.
0: (laughs) Make counseling great again. That's what I always say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because, man, it's really gone downhill lately.
0: Yeah. All those atheist counselors. Mm-hmm. Satanist counselors. Demonic counselors. Yeah.
1: You don't want that. So you're looking for a counselor that has read their Bible. Yeah. That knows what a Bible is. Yeah. At least knows. knows at least Jesus has one on their shelf. Yeah. It's like, oh,
0: yeah, Jesus. I've heard of that guy. Right. Things are hard right now. Quarantine. You may be locked down. You might be depressed. Depression's way up. I feel sorry people without families. I don't think about that. It's
1: like, you're just like, I got nobody.
0: Yeah. Imagine people locked in their houses for months with nobody. Yeah. What you might need is some faithful counseling. Faithful counseling is online professional Christian counseling. They deal with depression, stress, anxiety,
1: crises of faith. Correct. You can text, you can uh, chat, you can phone, you can video, anything. Because, you know, a lot of us, we have our certain method of communication we prefer. Yep. I hate when people want to talk on the phone to me. Like, I would text I would text a counselor.
0: Yeah, I like texting. <laughs> I don't know it's if great. I want to go show up in person. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, it's affordable. Faithfulcounseling.com slash Babylon B. Listeners get 10% off your first month.
1: Yeah. And do you think uh, counselors use emojis?
0: Probably lots of smileys. Yeah. Like they probably wouldn't send a lot of like crying. And, yeah. Well, maybe they're trying to sympathize. Yeah. Like they're you're like, oh, saying. I'm so sad today. And they would send the sad. I would feel good about that. I feel weird about it.
1: Counts are using emojis, but it's to each their own. They probably accommodate whatever. But we're not
0: guaranteeing that they use emojis. We're not guaranteeing, we don't know. But it's not, yeah, that's not a guarantee that they make. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you can get started today, faithfulcounseling.com slash Babylon B.
3: Do it now. Now. So I don't think that, um, we're told in the Psalms, a couple places in the Psalms, Psalm 118, and later on in the Psalms, put not your trust in princes. And I think that that mm-hmm. – uh, I think no Christian should give himself over to an adulatory uh, following of any politician, any king, any mm-hmm. president. I, I just think that's out of line. Only, only Christ is not going to let you down.
1: Here,
0: here. Is it a sin to vote for Joe Biden? <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it would depend – I think it's fine to vote for Joe Biden if you're dead –
1: <laughs> you know. spiritually or physically <laughs> no physically
3: dead you know if you're physically dead if you're dead and deep you've been buried and people vote for Biden on your behalf which is, which is uh, going to be happening quite a bit you know a lot of, a lot of dead people are going to be voting this time around I don't think that's a sin at all
0: I'm going to have to check that against
3: Facebook's uh,
0: election <laughs> guide uh, section, whatever it's called, voter information,
1: official section and <laughs> see yeah.
3: what they say. Feel free to do it if you're dead.
1: <laughs> All right. So as a, you know, a, what's the word for reporters that are really good at being reported? Intrepid reporter. I, you know, did some uh, research on you by w- wikipedia you while you were talking. Ah, and, good. And it said the most controversial work in your whole thing you've ever done is about this... Things. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Can you guess what you Yeah, can you guess what it is? <laughs> yeah, I think I could. <laughs> I you want guess. to give... So somebody's like, hey, Babylon Bee's interviewing this guy with a beard, Doug Wilson. We should let him look him up. What the heck? What's this? Yeah. Uh-huh. So then you would give your Doug Wilson side of the story.
3: Um, so uh, I'm filling in. I'm guessing uh, that slavery. The pamphlet
1: slavery, yeah, so, as it was, it says.
3: I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you the 32nd version. Right.
1: Slavery, yay or nay. <laughs>
3: okay. So, slavery as an ins- institution was overthrown by the gospel and good riddance. So, uh, Amen. Uh, William, uh, William Wilberforce, uh, who mm-hmm. helped to outlaw the slave trade in the British Empire, I regard as one of the great heroes of the faith. So, Amen. as far as uh, the elimination of slavery as an institution... That is something to be celebrated, and we should honor the people who were involved in doing that the way the gospel requires us to do it. So that's Mm -hmm. my view on slavery as an institution. Uh, Every every country in the Western world eliminated slavery without a war, except for us. We eliminated it with a war in which we killed 600,000 people. And we still, ha- we still haven't recovered from the way we got rid of slavery. We're still, we're still dealing with it. And we're dealing with it because we attacked an evil in a revolutionary way instead of the way the New Testament requires us to attack it, which, was, which would be a reformational way.
1: Hmm. Okay.
3: So... Um, so, if someone says that Doug Wilson is an apologist for slavery, that I think slavery is a is a good like food, air, and sunshine, I just simply deny it and say that people ought to stop lying. Um, the issue is how you deal with uh, a corrupt or a fallen institution like slavery uh, when you inherit it, when you find yourself mm. with it. So that many people don't realize that the New Testament is filled with instructions to Christian masters and Christian slaves. by Philemon, Anesimus, in the book of Ephesians, and the first Timothy, uh, the Bible has explicit instructions on how we're supposed to deal with this um, institution that is um, capable of monstrous abuses. And the way we dealt with it was, here in America... Was not that way, so basically, I'm a critic of slavery as an institution, mm. and I'm a critic of the uh, radical methods of the abolitionists. That's what that's what it boils down to.
1: Gotcha. So basically, like, I mean, back in Bible times, I mean, it's like, you know, slavery was like a, almost like a, to some extent, it was a is so much more common and there's biblical rules as to how to handle that in a moral way where you're not owning a human being, but they're working for you all the way down to how corrupt it became in the times of America.
3: Right. Correct. Right. And, and what you want to do is, um, you, you want to sow the seeds of, uh, the institution's overthrow without everybody hating each other for 200 years Mm -hmm. after the fact. Um, Mm -hmm. so, um, when Onesimus uh, stole something, apparently, from Philemon, Philemon was a friend of Paul's, Onesimus runs off, Paul meets Onesimus and leads him to the Lord, apparently, and then returns him to Philemon with the strong encouragement uh, and broad hints for Philemon to release him to go back and serve Paul. Um, he does it, basically, he does it peacefully. He does it peaceably. Um, and that's the... Uh, that's what I'm talking about. So, and when, when I first wrote that booklet that he brought up Southern slavery as it was, the reason for that was, uh, operation rescue uh, was going on at the time. And some, there were some extreme elements in the pro-life movement, Paul Hill being one of them who wanted to be the, the next John Brown. He, he wanted to ignite a civil war. And, uh and Paul Hill had been a, uh, Seminary classmate of Steve Wilkins, who co-wrote that book with me and booklet that booklet with me, and he was in our circles. He uh, he read our magazine uh, *Credenda Agenda*. Paul Hill did. Uh, A friend of mine was a pastor of a church that excommunicated him before he shot the abortionist. So we were dealing with uh, elements in the pro-life movement that wanted to ignite an actual shooting war, and so we doubled down on, look, we have to deal with these social evils the way the New Testament tells us to deal with these social evils. And so we went back to slavery as a as a, uh, a test case.
1: Oh, so you're making an argument for people not to, like, shoot up abortion clinics, and then Correct. you got in trouble for it.
3: Right, exactly. And, the, you know, the thing that's astonishing is if someone says, how dare, how dare you think that we should eliminate slavery Peaceably, and I would turn it around. So you think that we should eliminate abortion violently? Hmm. And they, and all of a sudden, this they'll, they'll back away, start climbing down, yeah. and uh, 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 well, wait, look, uh, be consistent. Paul Paul Hill was consistent. He supported a violent overthrow of slavery in the Civil War, and he supported an, a violent overthrow of abortion. Uh, by means of shooting abortionists or bombing clinics. So my question, uh, my question for the people who are hating on my approach to gradual abolition, peaceful abolition, by doing what the New Testament said to do, I would say, so then, you think that the National Right to Life Organization and all the uh, people who are involved in the pro-life cause, you think they should go home and get their gun? And if, they are, if they're silent at that point, then they've exposed their radical, I would say, hypocrisy. Because, because the, slaughter, the slaughter of the unborn is a worse travesty than American slavery was. We've killed, we've, we've murdered more blacks under the abortion regime than were ever killed in the slavery regime. What we're doing is worse. So... Should we attack it violently or not?
2: Am
0: you made your to point. <laughs> <laughs> I have thoughts. No. <laughs> so it's uh, the year 2020, crazy year, and you're still a post millennialist.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Are you any any thoughts converting to to dispensational premillennialism or?
3: Um, no, it's not when they, oh. when they put the mark on the masks, that's probably when I'll start rethinking that's- <laughs> it. <laughs> that's when you'll rethink it. <laughs> well, um, but, um, yeah, it's been a crazy year. But I believe that God, I'm preparing a sermon for this coming Lord's Day. And the title of the sermon is, These Are Tumultuous merc- Mercies. I think that mm. we are living in a t- tumultuous time. But I believe it's a very, very merciful time. Hmm. Uh, it says at the end of Hebrews 12 that God shakes those things that can be shaken so that what cannot be shaken may remain. And then it says we, we, we believers are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So when God shakes everything and higher ed rock is rocked and the medical establishment is rocked and the airline industry is rocked and everything is shaking, well, that's not where our trust is anyway. Right, we we are Christians. We follow Christ, and when God shakes everything up, it's for our good. So I think that we should be confident and cheerful, and um, and I think we should have this disposition. Uh, I I'm d- have it within this post millennial framework, but I, I I've not seen anything that has made me want to rethink that, because in the long run, stupidity never works.
1: <laughs> That's a good quote. <laughs>
0: Put that on the quote, guys. Put that on the front of the interview. (laughs) Stupidity never works. Uh, So it seems to me like your postmillennialism really informs the way that you and your church uh, engage, engages culture.
1: As a dumb person, can you tell me about postmillennialism? Oh, yeah. Why don't you first tell us what postmillennialism is? Okay, so uh,
0: in a nutshell,
3: nutshell, postmillennialism is the view that the Great Commission will be successfully fulfilled, that the world will be brought to Christ— the nations will be uh, baptized and taught obedience to everything Christ taught. And then the end will come. So it's basically, it's a historically optimistic view of the history of future history. Uh, as opposed, So Gary North once said the two views are basically optimillennialism and pessimillennialism. So you either believe things are falling apart and will continue to fall apart until the end, or you think that things will gradually... Uh, improve, but not because mm. man is basically good. Only it's only because of the gospel.
1: Mm. Mm. Okay, I got it. That was for the dumb people, not me. Just I, okay, I feel bad for dumb people listening. Then my smart,
0: my they smart question stuff. was: that was a dumb question. The smart question okay. is: how does your, how does your post millennialism uh, influence the way that you and your church That's, engage? We're culture?
1: a satire site, Kyle. I got to stop being so serious. <laughs> okay, so you've written like almost a hundred books. Wait, I yeah, was I really asking that question? Are you done? No, I was asking the question. <laughs> oh, I thought you already asked it. No, I never answered. Oh, okay.
3: Uh,
0: I'm happy I got more to questions.
3: You were late. So if you aim at nothing, right. you hit it. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it. If I believe that the earth That's will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, and I believe that is going to be true of Idaho and true of Moscow, then the things we're doing right now will make a big difference 200 years from now. So... So I believe that we need to be getting to work. We need to be focused on the future. If you believe, if you believe that everything is going to hell in a handbasket and nobody and, and everybody's going to be helicoptered out of here within the next 20 years, you don't have a basis for building <laughs> anything to last for 200 years.
1: Good point. Interesting. Never thought of that. Can I ask my question now? Yeah, no, you can ask your question. Uh, okay, so... You've written almost 100 books. You're crazy. You're just writing books left and right. So at some point, you had your giant pile of ideas, and then you're like, oh, man, look at all these sticky notes I've gone through. And you get to one, and you're like, it says sex robot on it. And you're like, all right, get some writing the sex robot book. So what, what What was the impetus of that one? How it's did new. that you got a new yeah. book.
0: What were you thinking? How,
1: what were yeah, you thinking?
3: what was I thinking? So <laughs> um, I like to tell people that I write. Uh, I write books to make the little voices in my head go away. And uh, (laughs) it's not working. Um, This uh, Ride Sally Ride book came out of a conversation with a friend uh, here in Moscow. His name is Darren Doan. He was the uh, uh, he he's the one who did the collision movie that I made with uh, Christopher Hitchens. And Darren Doan was saying he was just thinking out loud, saying that we need a film or some sort of uh, uh, visual portrayal of a Phineas moment. When uh, In the Old Testament, when, uh, at the, uh, when Phineas uh, ran the couple through that were sinning in a high-handed way in front of everybody or in the face of Moses and the, and the, and the people, he was saying we need a Phineas moment that would be a catalyst like that. And we, and we uh, would do it in the modern world, we'd do it through film or some sort of story like that. Well, we that was his that was his great idea for hook, uh, you know, and his his idea was like the destruction of a sex robot uh, somehow in film, and one th- because of one thing and another the the film part of it the film short didn't happen, uh, but I went back to him later and said, hey, can I use that hook for a novel? Can I? That's a great um, that's a great one sentence hook. Uh, young college student destroys. A sex robot, and then gets charged with murder. I I think that I was Mm -hmm. the one who supplied the gets charged with murder part, Um, and so you're wiping your hands of the sex robot part. And so I took that hook, uh, and Uh the the robot part, and developed it into a novel, and dedicated the book to Darren Downe.
0: One thing we talk about sometimes on the show is is uh, Christian art and how we tend to write really tame stuff that doesn't offend anybody or, you know, I don't know, like C.S. Lewis just writes the Jesus lion and, you know, that's, that's all we, and then we all just have imitated that for 70 years, like doing these (laughs) allegories or things that are really safe. And obviously, you know, you're willing to use like this lewd kind of lewd subject matter that might kind of shock people like, you know, uh, in order to, to communicate your message. How does, how does using shocking language or humor uh, factor into Christians using art? to communicate their message?
3: Well, you know, honestly, I think that if I'd written this book 30 years ago, um, it really would have shocked the Christians. And and I think I really would have run a good chance of um, uh, getting run out of town, right? Um, But the response to this novel, I was braced for a, a negative blowback from a lot of Christians And and we did get it from some Twitter trolls and people like that who said it was pornographic, which it isn't. And you know, there 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 was the predictable response from trolls, but from people from Christians who's who've actually read the book, um, I've gotten far less negative feedback from them than I was actually anticipating, and I think it's because of the year in which it released. We are so used to bizarre outlandish things happening to us in on the evening news that this seemed like a sane response instead of a instead of an insane um provocation in a an ordinary time this seemed more like a sane response in uh, a a sane response in an insane time
1: so were you disappointed like oh man i was trying to get everybody a little more riled up
3: no, it's, it's not that I want people to get mad at me. I'm not angling for uh, you know, personal abuse or anything like that. I really, rage, I rage really want to instruct and teach and get people to see connections. And one of the, one of the um, comments or one of the criticisms that has been repeated to me more than once is this novel set, let's say, 20 years in the future – and people are saying, what do you mean 20 years? It seems like more like, more like two months in the future. It, it, this seems like now. It doesn't seem like it's it's that much in the future.
1: Well, we're running out of time here. Let's go to our subscriber portion. What? Can we? We even have time for it? No, let's thinking. do it.
3: Let's go to our
0: subscriber portion. Okay. The, the book is called Ride Sally Ride. Where can people get it?
3: They can get it from Canon Press. Get it from Amazon. They can... Get it where, what? Find stores everywhere. No, Well, no, probably not find stores <laughs> everywhere. <but>. Sears catalog. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Nordstrom's. Try
2: Nordstrom's. <laughs>
1: it's worth a try. All right, All right. perfect. Dive into a subscriber portion.
2: Coming up next for Babylon B subscribers. People, we're always interested in people who are friends even though they
0: disagree with each other. Right. And you and Christopher Hitchens seem to have this respect for each other. Hey, can you tell us what the heck federal vision is? Calvinist or Arminian?
3: <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm, I'm in it now. And so I said, Jesus loves you again, and turned the other cheek again. And he hit me again. Bam! No. <laughs> <laughs> he just said no. Well,
0: that's <laughs> your first
2: denial. I we said, usually convert everybody. We deconverted Doug Wilson. Enjoying this hard-hitting interview? Become a Babylon Bee subscriber to hear the rest of this conversation. Go to babylonbcom slash plans for full-length ad-free podcasts. Kyle and Ethan would like to thank Seth Dillon for paying the bills, Adam Ford for creating their job, the other writers for tirelessly pitching headlines, the subscribers, and you, the listener. Until next time, this is Dave D'Andrea, the voice of the Babylon Bee.